0: Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. This weekend, we went to Denver. We wanted to see our friends Chromio in concert at the legendary music venue, Red Rocks. So we had it figured out perfectly. We were going to leave New York on a five o'clock flight. We were going to land just in time to make the half-hour drive from Denver down to Red Rocks and just get there as Chromio was taking the stage. It was going to be perfect. But fate intervened because as we are 20 minutes Away from landing, the pilot comes on and says, hey, you guys in 31B and 31C, Mm -hmm. we're going to be taking a surprise trip to Colorado Springs. The Denver airport is closed. By the way, you know, surprises can be, like, nice. Mm -hmm. This was not a nice surprise. This was... Well, it was definitely, like... It was a surprise. We didn't know whether it was nice or not. We <laughs> didn't, we didn't know like what did you know about Colorado Springs beforehand? Cuz I knew I knew there was a minor league baseball team there. That everybody says it is the best place to live in the United States. That's not a joke. Everybody says that. I've never said that. All of the official charts say Mm -hmm. that it is the best place to live. No, seriously. If you look it up, you will see that everybody says that Colorado Springs is the best place in the United States to live. Okay, I'm going to tell you that the pilot did not say, hey, we're going to land and you're going to live there. That is true. He said you're going to land and then figure out your plans after that. So we thought, okay... Maybe it's not that far from Red Rocks. Maybe well, it's not that far from Denver. It well, turns out it is an hour and a half drive to Red Rocks. And we had an hour and a half exactly until Chromio hit the stage at Red Rocks. And we had our luggage with us. So we couldn't stop at the Denver hotel that we had already booked to drop our stuff off. We had to go straight there and drop our luggage off somewhere. We or, could have thrown it in the bushes. We or, could have thrown it off a cliff. Or we could rent a car. So right. we were like, Cool. Let's go downstairs to Enterprise, to Hertz, to Budget, to Avis, whoever. Right, and none of them get are sponsors. A car, and they were sold out, absolutely sold out they because ha- they had zero cars because the Air Force had had their graduation. Oh, the Air Force Academy is also in Colorado Springs, the best place in the United States to live. And to complicate things, our brother is meeting us at the concert. He's coming in from the West Coast. He's under our names on the list. And so we need to get there at the exact same time as he does so that we can all get in. And Back in Colorado Springs, we are stuck without a car. So we decide to get an Uber. And listen, an Uber driver can go one of many ways. But for an hour and a half drive, you hope that the conversation is going to be at least decent or quiet. And so we get on the app and we get a guy named... George. And George, 4.5 stars, great rating, mm-hmm. doesn't say known for his conversation, but we get in <laughs> and the conversation was strictly about directions. The man loves a good Route 480, <laughs> how there's construction on certain roads. You know, he was like, a- I haven't been to Castle Rock in a year, but if I was to go here on purpose, I would go this way. Every single time we tried to get him off topic, he would bring it back to Rhodes. It was He was a Rhodes Scholar. Uh, there you go. Thank for an, you. For an hour and a half, it was us and George talking about every which way you can go in Colorado. And so we're getting frantic phone calls from Dan, who is trying to navigate his way around Red Rocks. Which, well, because he's at Red Rocks, but he is not in a car. He is literally walking through the wilderness. Trying to find how to get to this venue, which is, by the way, cut out of a mountain. So he's trying to follow the music. He's trying to follow the paths. There's no lights around. And he is running into raccoons and other various forms of wildlife. He is lost and he is frantic. And there's no way that we're going to find each other. Three stars. And so we get dropped off seemingly on time. We have our luggage with us. We shake hands with George. And I try calling Dan. There's no response. I try calling Dan. There's no response. Finally, I get Dan on the phone. And Dan is like, out of breath, I, he's like, "I'm going uphill. I don't know where I am." I'm. He's like, "Send me your location." So I sent him the location. It's not working for him. And Jeff and I are dragging our luggage up, and we're just like, "Follow the music." And we we know that we're gonna get turned away. Like, oh, you can't bring luggage into. <laughs> A concert. A hundred percent. In 2019, we have there are made... so many reasons why you cannot bring... <laughs> we have made this journey from New York to Colorado Springs, finally to Red Rocks with our luggage, only to get turned away. And then we would have to, what, start camping or something? Know, turned away by, you know, the 19-year-old volunteer with the security wand. uh sir. And again, this venue is just... It's in the sky. Forever high. Yeah. And we... Are already out of breath in this crazy altitude, dragging our luggage, dragging our backpacks, and dragging ourselves to a point when Dan comes out of the woods. He looked like (laughs) the falconer. He he did. (laughs) And Dan was so happy to see us. He ran towards us. And we're so ready to just... Stop Tr- this stupid journey! Like try we just to enjoy to, this concert. To sit down somewhere. So the only thing stopping us from getting in this venue are a million stairs up. So we take these. And Jeff and I, who joined the gym last week, are not in the best shape to <laughs> make to do it up any of this. All the stairs. You could have just like buried me on the thirty-fifth stair. Dan Dan was nice enough to volunteer to carry our, your bag, my bag, and yeah. then he asked you if you wanted it too. But I was I was more <laughs> the type to struggle yeah i was just like leave no dead man behind <laughs> i'm the dead man though yeah so we um we finally get up to the top of the stairs we have made it to the apex mm-hmm. only for uh about six security guards yeah. to say like no 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 you get can't out of in. here and we were out of breath out of breath trying to argue with them one of the the, literally the 19 year old the 19 year old was searching my luggage harder than tsa that that, it's just madness madness and i'm just like so exhausted i can't even argue dan who you know comes from a sales background yeah a a consumer a consumer is always right attitude oh dan like dan hustled our way in there yeah he's like hey excuse me what's your name yeah yeah Karen? Did, yeah, Dan did the whole thing. By the way, Dan was just like, we all had to make an emergency stop in Colorado Springs, and we came here from Manhattan, and we are friends with Chromio, and we need to get our Dan's luggage Dan's making inside. small talk with great. everybody, it yucking was great. it up with it was great. Jerry from... And by the way... Dan was right. Dan, was, Dan great. was absolutely right. Dan deserves a promotion wherever he is. Dan, Dan, got us inside the venue. He got us backstage to Chromio, to their dressing room well, to drop no, no, our no, stuff no, no, off. No, 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 no. We got him backstage. Oh, Dan, that, that's not true. <laughs> okay, fine. Dan we, got us into the venue. Yeah. <laughs> Dan got our bags into yeah. the venue. I mean, but like, let's not discount. <laughs> yeah, we our are friends standing with here. with Chromio, and we got ourselves backstage. And by the way, we met uh, a really nice. Guy uh, who works for the venue, a building manager who led us backstage, and he's from Jersey, so he's an East Coast guy and really took a liking to us, and he got us backstage and everything. So we go and enjoy the concert. A-Track's there. Dave One's mom is there. Obviously, we saw P thug. It's also A-Track's mom. And A-Track's mom. When they're about to walk on stage, we go up. We check it out from the side of the stage. They start to play, and A-Track's like, let's go. So... We, we and, left, we and, went home, and, mom. <laughs> and uh, we went back to Colorado Springs, and that was it. We, we walk down this back hallway, and all of a sudden, we make a right-hand turn and go up this tunnel of stairs that has... It's signed by everybody who's ever played there. Yeah, the walls, the stairs, the ceiling, it's all this concrete from 1920-whatever, and Odd Future, and Dave Matthews Band, and Blues Traveler, and anybody that you can think that has even been to the venue and is an artist has signed it and we're just zooming up these stairs to go to this this perfect hidden place to watch this this concert it's a venue unlike any other it's not like watching a show in like garbage dump ballroom in you know backwoods missouri backwoods missouri by the way is the number 2 best place to live in the U.S. I do not believe that. <laughs> well, Jeff, look at the charts. Yeah. So... I don't trust the charts. We watched this show and... Chromio, Genre is an illusion. Chromio and the Funk Lords, their backing band. It was a great show. They played so many of my favorites. Any of yours? Yeah, of course. Okay. And seemingly, all of their favorites? I wouldn't say all their favorites, but some. Okay. I'm going to assume that most of their favorites they played. Yeah. And we had the best time. We went backstage afterwards to hang with all the family and friends and everything. And that same building manager from before comes up and he was like, hey, you guys are artists. You should sign that back hallway. And, you know, for somebody like me who has been thinking about Red Rocks since like the mid-90s, since Dave Matthews' band put out a live album from there, um, it was so unexpected that, that he gave us one of those fat Sharpies and allowed us to just go up there and inscribe our names alongside all of these legendary acts. And so we did on every single stair, <laughs> every every inch of wall space. It's, now it's the real, It's all over it. So uh, we have been there, we have experienced it, and uh, man, what a venue. What a time and, and what a great experience. Thank you to Chromio, thank you to A-Track, thank you to uh, the Maklovich's mother, Mm -hmm. And thank you to uh, everyone at Red Rocks who was so, so, so nice to us, even the 19-year-old kid who uh, almost didn't let us know. No, fuck that kid. (laughs) What? Um, Jeff, before we even left New York, we recorded this episode right here. With Trevor Noah. Yeah, you can hear how excited we are to go to Colorado, to Denver, for a perfect flight. Shout out to, uh, to Trevor Noah, who you may know, you probably know, I'm sure you know, from The Daily Show on Comedy Central. He's also got a whole bunch of things going on in addition. Yeah, he's a... Uh He's getting lunch every day, sometimes (laughs) twice a day. He's got a podcast called On Second Thought, the Trevor Noah Podcast, which is on Luminary. Luminary. Go check that out. And he's also on tour. You can go to trevornoah.com slash tours. And, uh, you know, he's out here getting lunch twice a day, sometimes three times. (laughs) That's a lot of lunch. I know, but it's a busy and exciting life for Trevor Noah. And you know what? We talked about that busy and exciting life in great detail today on the podcast. One of the things that I really enjoy about the way that we run this podcast is that regardless of whether it's an industry executive that maybe you never heard of, or if it's a celebrity of Trevor Noah's status, or if it's our mom, we find these moments, these gems through a person's life that really show who they are as a human being. And and whether it's Trevor Noah's years as a DJ, or whether it's his time driving a taxi, or whether it's his thoughts on how human beings are forced into this eight-hour sleep and 3 meal a day cycle that he feels is just misguided and unlike any other species on this planet— it's that that strikes at the core of a person and makes for a really fascinating conversation. So we were super happy to sit down with Trevor, a dope, dope person. And like Jeff was saying before, has a lot of things going on. Jeff, when do you want to get into this podcast? Right now. Yo, what up, it's Eric, aka pull up with a stick, aka pinata. Yo, what up It's Jeff, aka what the street's been waiting on, aka
1: the light. Yo, what up? It's it's Trevor, aka T T T Money. Yo, aka host of the Daily Show. <laughs> A.K.A. Why haven't you washed the dishes?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, your third favorite podcast to waste the time,
1: but it's the real.
0: <laughs> Trevor, what's happening? What's going on, guys? Everything's good. Thank you so much for coming through. That is the most
1: energy at the beginning of a conversation I've ever had in my life. Ever? Really? Ever? Yeah, ever. Well, happy to be number one. yeah Ever. Thanks for um, having me. No, our pleasure.
0: Listen, we've had Hassan Minaj up here. Right. We've had Jordan Klepper up here. Right. But we're glad, finally... To have a man up here. And you know why I say that? (laughs) Because you, my friend, had been bar mitzvahed.
1: Uh, How crazy is that? Yeah, that is one of the most ridiculous things that happened in my life that I still don't fully understand because I don't think I got the full experience. (laughs) Like my mom converted to Judaism, did not consult me, did not explain it to me. She Mm -hmm. just just did it. And then all of a sudden... My life involved like menorahs and the (laughs) Torah, and I didn't know what it means. I still don't get it. And then all my Jewish friends were like, "Oh, did you get the money? Did you get?" I was like, "What money? (laughs) Did you get the anxiety?" No, I didn't. So I guess I both the good and the bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, Are you complainy? No, 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 no. No, no, I'm not. You're not Jewish at all. I know. This (laughs) is weird. Yeah, I always tell people, I go, "My mom became Jewish, and then I just carried on my life as usual." When did she convert? When I was, let me think, probably eleven. Yeah. And
0: what kind of effect did that have, like, in your day-to-day life? It's weird. You
1: know, my mom's a Bible scholar, so I think she's just like, she really dug into the Bible. My whole life, I I remember my mom being religious. And then just, you know, she. I think she wanted to get, like, to the root of religion, like, deep, deep, deep in. And she was like, okay, I I get it, but, like, what is the story about, and where do we go with it, and who is Yahweh, and who is the God of Abraham, and... You know what I mean? Adonai and all these. And then she just dug in Yeah, and then that became it. And you had a bar mitzvah. Yeah. And so then she was just like, hey man, when you turn 13, we're gonna give you a bar mitzvah. You need to become a man. I was like, "What? What? what is, a, is that like a new Nintendo? What is a bar mitzvah? What is that? It's like a present? Uh, yeah. And then she just told me, but like I say, none of my friends knew what this meant. Right. Nobody like, in fact, I only, you must remember when this happened to me, I just got into high school and then I like, I went to a, a like a, a predominantly Jewish high school. Oh, really? Oh, so you yeah. fit in. Yeah. yeah. So, so then when I told my friends this, they were like, oh, man, congrats and everything. Why didn't you invite <laughs> us? Like, I didn't know I could invite anybody. And they were like, yeah. And then they told me like stories. One guy was like, my grandmother gave me this money. My, my grandfather gave me this I was like, I got no money. <laughs> Who so was at your bar mitzvah? Nobody. My yeah. mom. That's what I'm trying to say. It tell was just you. the two of you? Yeah. So no theme. No nothing. You weren't in the there chair. There was no, <laughs> yes. no party of nothingness. It was just like a ceremony and then it was done. Wow. Congratulations. My, my mom like yeah, read no, a few yeah. lines and she was just like, you're a man now. We, we had
0: Birdman on the podcast. Right. And somewhere in the middle of that, I was like, hey, um, I, this is just a random funny story that uh, a friend of our mom moved down to Miami and actually moved in next door to you. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. Which one of your moms? And we're like, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're brothers. And he's like, oh, you're brothers and you work together? Like, I work with my brother. We're like, yeah, 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 we, we know that. And we know Juvenile that. was there, too. And he was like, oh, my brother's over there. Like, we work together. And we we're yeah. like, no, 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 no. Sh- yeah. sh- no. So, he, so he looks at me and he's just like, well, I can tell by your hair that you're Jewish. But what's he? And we're like, oh, again, brothers, like, same yes. religion, whatever. Right, right, right. And Birdman goes... Did you have a bar mitzvah? And we're like, yes. And then he's just like, who performed? Because that's
1: like his only,
0: that's his <laughs> yeah. only reference point. Yeah,
1: that is something that I find fascinating in, in America is like how rock and roll bar mitzvahs are. Oh my yeah. god! Because like yeah. I've seen like you see like like videos on Instagram or whatever of bar mitzvahs whenever you're like if you just like hashtag bar mitzvah right, and you will see it, you'll be like, wait, is that Nicki Minaj? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: by the way, for the record, we did not have anyone perform at our bar mitzvah. Our bar mitzvah was like more like yours, except with, yeah. with a few more people. Okay. okay. I mean, it was okay. like okay. DJ Eric
1: Kizz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. But like, do you often hashtag bar mitzvah just like searching? <laughs> through? I you know what? I love them because I always see like some like thirteen year old kid who is just like bawling out of control. With like a really famous artist, and I, I'm always fascinated by that world. That's know? just
0: that's that's so foreign to us. Like I right. just we don't Especially know that world Especially in New York, either. I've I've seen some of the like oh, the yeah. craziest bar mitzvahs in New York. Have you been invited to perform at any bar mitzvahs? I
1: have, and I've turned every single one down. Whoa, wow. it's terrifying. I'm gonna, what am I going to do? I'm not going to do stand up for like twelve year olds. I don't you know. Do,
0: well, yeah, you could do all <laughs> of your religious material. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's just like, what am I doing?
0: You're a member of the tribe, what? so we're here's, a deal. here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the
1: thing. It's one thing to bomb as a comedian for like your <laughs> audience. It's another thing to bomb in front of. 12 12 year olds, cause I feel like they have a longer life to remember your bombing yeah. from. Like that is, that's like one of their first experiences of comedy is you bombing. <laughs> And then it's like like 12-year-olds are judging no. Oh no. my god. I try to save myself from these things. Try to spare myself the the, the, the pain and embarrassment. <laughs> I well, mean maybe you are Jewish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the most Jewish thing you've said.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do love the fact that you're performing in front of like humongous stadiums now and like, you know, we saw that you were just in Denver. We're actually right, traveling right. to Denver tonight. Yeah, I
1: did Red Rocks. That was amazing. Yeah,
0: we're going to Red Rocks. We're going to go see Chromeo tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Um, you're Have playing. you been before? No. no.
1: Truly one of the most amazing venues I've ever been to in my life. Like, I mean, obviously the crowd in Denver is amazing, but the venue, man, it's like it's like someone literally cut out a piece of a mountain and then you pour, perform inside. So like you're inside, but you're outside. Does that change the way that you it's like... The, it's the most amazing performance I've ever done. Genuinely. Wow. Genuinely, genuinely. Gen- like the crowd is with you in like a completely unique way. Were you on drugs then and <laughs> are you on drugs now? <laughs> <laughs> I've actually never done drugs. Same.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, Eric. No. Yeah. I, I, Eric I, got I, drugged last week. I did get drugged last week. At yeah. a bad trip. I've,
1: I've always been terrified yeah. of drugs. Same. Just. Yeah. Gen- I like grew up in one of those households where. It was one of those things where someone was like, you could take ecstasy once and die. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I I never had the guts to try like drugs. Yeah. What What are you you doing right now? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nothing. I wish I I could try drugs. Is going to be like Like, that? The only thing thing I tried was weed. And then like weed, yeah, like on occasion. We're going to
0: do like an LSD experience together today on the podcast. Yeah.
1: Like just on the podcast right now? Yes, correct. Yeah. 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 Just three of us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: It won't kick in until the podcast is over.
1: Cancel my schedule.
0: Yeah, I know. (laughs) you're performing at O2 coming up, O2 Arena. Yeah, in London. That's, that's Staples really dope. in LA. Uh-huh. Um, do you have to perform to the people in the back, or how do you switch up when you're in front of like twenty thousand people? You know what's
1: really interesting? It was actually Eddie Azard who taught me how to perform in arenas. So in drag yeah Yeah. (laughs) he said to me because i asked him once i was like hey man don't you miss like the intimacy of a theater and performing for like a few people and then he said no when you're in an arena you can actually make the performance more intimate because of the screens and so if you use the screens and the sound right you actually connect more people because now like they're on your face you know, when you're in a theater, there's like what two thousand people. Yeah. If someone's at the back, you have to perform. It's everything is big. It's just like theater. You know, hark, who goes there? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where's it? when it's when it's an arena? You can bring the people in, and then you can blow it up, and you can bring it. In. So you have those moments where it's like five thousand people screaming, and then it's silence, and it's like on your face. And what are you thinking? What are you doing? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, totally. So it's just it's it's a different skill set, and and it's 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 harder in certain ways. It's easier in other ways. Um, but what I do love is if you set the room up right, everybody is part of the experience. That's and dope. I remember like my favorite shows, like when, like when Chris Rock came to South Africa oh my God. for the first time, he performed in like a giant arena and it was like, you know, five, 6,000 people. And I remember like the feeling wasn't because we all shared in this thing. It was an experience yeah. more than just a show. And yeah. so, um, yeah, that's what I try and create for everybody that comes out to my arena shows.
0: Did you ever have the experience of like looking into a camera when you're doing The Daily Show and thinking of all the people behind it? Or are you just like... No, I'm just speaking and I'm, you know, reading off the teleprompter and I'm performing to the people in the studio.
1: No, I'm never reading off the teleprompter. What I do is I try, the teleprompters, there's a guide to keep me, like, just so I know where I'm going. Because the Daily Show, we, we have facts, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I've got to be careful with, of what I, I, I can't just say whatever I want. I can make whatever joke I want, but yeah. there's still, like, facts, you know, like, what is the percentage? What is the number? What is the, what is the threshold, et cetera, et cetera? Um... But I'm always try- I'm improvising. I'm messing around. I go off script. I like play around with the audience. That's there live. So, so when I'm when I'm engaging in that, what I try and do is I, I try and make the camera one of the audience members that's sitting there live. Hmm. And I try and think of the person at home. I go like, yeah, there's there's someone watching this on a phone, on a on a tablet, on a TV, and they're engaging this in some way, shape, or form. So I, that's how I try and think of it whenever I am whenever I'm doing the show. When
0: you were growing up, like, when was the first time that you actually like did perform in front of people?
1: Oh man, my mom would say I performed from the time I could like function. Um, Like my dad's friends used to complain about me. They're like, your son has a radio in his chest. That's what they said. (laughs) (laughs) Like this thing doesn't shut up. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I, I think I've always been like a performer in some way, but never like a, I wasn't like a, like a, I wasn't like the kid who like sang in front of the family I wasn't those types of kids No you, you know just know put on
0: like your own plays and
1: Yeah, I would just like I just like talk to people and just like tell jokes and just have conversations, you know. Yeah. I was one of those kids who would sit with the adults and think I was an adult but I was clearly not an adult <laughs> and then just tell them stories and make jokes and stuff. And I think that that was just like a natural evolution of of um of what I did. So like I remember the first time I performed in front of like an audience, a public audience was in school. I was, uh, it was a school play, and I remember I was, I don't even know what the play was about. All I know is I played a tortoise, and, and I had the shell on my back. It was a normal play about animals, nothing funny. And then, I, you know, we did this like five or six times, and then like the, the third time, we, we had this routine where we like went on the stage, got off the stage, you know, back on stage, off the stage, and then I did this little thing where I faked like a trip on the stairs. And then the school kid, everyone just lost their shit. They were like, Wah! <laughs> you know, kids were like, a human being found. <laughs> and then I was like, oh man, that was amazing. And then I did it the next day and then it worked again. And I was like, wow, you can like you can prepare a thing that makes people laugh. And then that was it for me. Just wow. did a tight five
0: of you just like yeah. <laughs> on me. That
1: was like me consistent. I was like I'm the person who can trip on cue and make people laugh.
0: So at your London show coming up? Yeah. <laughs> it's you in a shell doing a big pratfall. It's yeah.
1: me in a giant giant tortoise outfit
0: uh, <laughs> tripping on the stage for an hour. Where are you originally from?
1: Originally from Johannesburg, South Africa. So grew not up, Staten Island. Yeah. In, if no, the accent no although us the, off, accent, yeah. the accent the <laughs> yeah. accent may convince you otherwise. no, um, yeah, grew up in in South Africa, uh, in Johannesburg, uh, Soweto, most of my life. and then, um, you know, then just moved around with my mom. like she 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 always like wanted us to try and move to a better place, you know, and if you know South Africa's history, black people were stuck in townships, and, you know, you weren't allowed to live in different places. So when, like, Democracy comes around, there's this mad dash to like enjoy freedom, I guess. And so my mom was like, let's keep moving. Let's move to another place. Let's try find another place. let's go to a better place. So we were always living in areas where we were, the, we were like the only ones. yeah, and what we were the only ones of just kept on changing. you know. So
0: does that mean that you went to like many schools?
1: no actually my mom tried to keep me in like consistent which meant like now it was like an hour and a half drive every morning oh my god to stay at the the same school wow. yeah which was not fun at all i actually started at a catholic school oh my god my, yeah we, we this had is like, a whole a, journey yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no really so we had like a my mom managed to get me a, a scholarship into like a private school and that was a, a catholic school so i was there from kindergarten uniform yeah uniform and everything uniform nuns like priests nuns beating your your hands and like putting soap in your mouth if you cursed i remember one day i got i got i got soap in my mouth because and i I still i still the reason i I hop on this is because i i I found a way to like there was a loophole i didn't curse what i did was i went around saying i would get people to curse so i'd go hey (laughs) i would say uh if you see Kay, tell her i love her (laughs) And then people would be like, What? And I was like, if you see K, tell her I love her. And people were like, F-U-C-K? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. And then like and then like someone and then it became a whole thing. Then they'd be like, What? Wait, you made me say fuck? And then I was like, you just so <laughs> But then it backfired on me because then like the nurse was like, How did this start? And they're like, Trevor made us say F-U-C-K. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I asked about K. <laughs> and I said if someone sees her, they should tell her no, like, there's no K at the school. And then the teacher put like, and then the nun, it's like literally they would shave soap that shave us a bar of soap oh and then put the shavings in your mouth and then you had to chew it and then like like make bubbles and they were like this will clean your mouth of the sin of of curse words i don't think that's true <laughs> yeah no it's not yeah it's not it's not uh i had great breath though oh yeah. good oh wonderful yeah but it's not yeah, yeah fucked you, up stomach but you, whatever <laughs> <laughs> you're completely correct what were you interested in as a kid Oh, man, I just loved, I loved making people laugh. I love sports as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked sports until they became competitive. Then I was, like, bored. Like, I remember... Hold on one second. What side. is that? Is that the doorbell?
0: Shoes. Yeah. This is like a this-is-your-life sort of thing. Jon Stewart is here.
1: This is rock and roll.
0: Yeah. No, we got shoes delivered by Nike. Oh, did he? Oh, really?
1: That is probably dope. Is yeah. that, my, that could be my food order. You never know. Did you get some food? Or is hey, this, man, like, a surprise? I order food to wherever I am. That's the joy of New York. <laughs> now I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens. I never know what, I know nothing about sneakers. No. I, genu- I just like, I go like, I like this shoe and I like that shoe. And then sometimes I'll wear a shoe and then people will be like, Oh, <laughs> is that the, the Jordan Kobe <laughs> slash LeBron 3's Jumpman <laughs> hype vibe Pegasus? And yes. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I like them because they're red. Yeah. <laughs> I like the red and black ones. That's me. I genuinely just, I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, because
0: I well, good luck impressing all those twelve-year-olds that they're. <laughs> I had
1: because I had no concept of like nice shit when I was growing up because mm-hmm. my mom just did not spend money. I remember one time, because of school pressure, I begged my mom. I was like, "Mom, I need a pair of branded sneakers. I can't be wearing sneakers that are like just no name, nothings. You just want
0: anything on there. I was like,
1: "I need something. I need something." And then she came home with the pair of Adidas, and I was like, "Oh, this is the greatest day of my life." And then when I looked closer, it was Adidas, <laughs> And it had four stripes instead of three. And I was like, mom, what, what, what is this? And she said, oh, I found it. There was a guy selling it on the street. It's much cheaper than the shoe you wanted. I was like, yeah, it's not the shoe that I wanted. And she said, what's the problem? And I said, it says Adidas, <laughs> not Adidas. And then do you see here that there are four stripes instead of three? And she was like, "Well, lucky you, you got an extra." <laughs> yeah, one of one. I was like, one. "The kids at school will not see it this way, mother." <laughs> and so, yeah, that was. And so you uh, switched schools, and it was. Yeah, better. that was yeah, like yeah, the yeah. worst period of. I remember wearing those to school. Jesus in heaven. There are moments in life that you just try to like block out of your memory. I
0: feel like if you pull those out now, those would be hot. Abitis, those would be hot. You now. know? Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah, now. yeah. But
1: that's like because it's, it's Like ironic. one of
0: one. <laughs> yeah. it's Ironic. Now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So you enjoyed sports, but n- until they got competitive.
1: Yeah, man, I used to, like, for instance, I was I was like one of the fastest kids in my grade always. No big no deal. No big deal. I really was. I really was. It's no big deal because there's no, like, awards or anything. Well, how many yeah. kids were in your grade? Like, two? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, hey, man, I can run. And so... By the way, um, I,
0: I'll give you credit for it, but also a little credit to the
1: Abitas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened was I did really well. And then I, I remember, like, it, it was in... What was a grade six kids started whipping out like running spikes and and like blocks at the beginning of the. I was like, What are you doing, <laughs> guys? We <we're> kids, you <laughs> know, people like putting things on the front of their thing, like you know, like, like the Usain Bolt or what? I was like, Guys, come on, man. And I'm like, I'm just, I would run barefoot, I would just, I was just like, Man, we just do this thing, we just who's the fastest, you right? Know, not, not who can afford the best equipment. And then I was just, I was gone. So, do you like watching sports? Yeah, I love watching all sports, everything.
0: So, it's not participating it's more just you you like no, I, love, I, love, I still yeah. play
1: i play soccer almost every tuesday oh really yeah i still i find a pickup game and i play by the um, way when
0: did it shift for you to be soccer and not football or is it just that you understand your audience really. oh really yeah it was always soccer for us we
1: grew up at. i mean in south africa we have nicknames for it so D, we call it diski which is like a nickname for it but um yeah, like football, soccer it was always interchangeable. I'm not mm-hmm. one of those people who's like, you call it football, <laughs> it's called football. God damn it, <laughs> call it what it is. It's football. I'm like, yeah, I mean, whatever, man. Soccer, football. Yeah. If you know what I'm talking about, you're good. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you have a big family growing up, or no? Very, very close knit, small family. My, it was always myself and my mom. Mm-hmm. We just roll as a team. And then uh, my grandfather, we'd go and visit my grandmother, and then like my cousins, and that was it. Like it wasn't like a there was never, like, those giant family, like, 20 people type thing. Wearing yeah. all the same shirts at, yeah, like, yeah, family reunion. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 I never had that. I yeah. never had that. And then, like, when you start achieving a bit of fame, that's when your family seems to magically grow. Oh, sure. And yeah. you'll yeah. yeah. be like, Trevor, I am your cousin, Byron, <laughs> from your grandfather's sister's mother's friend, Cynthia. I'm like, no. No. Um, and I, I, I know it seems a bit callous, but I, I've always been a believer in, like, I think you can choose your family which is a pretty hardcore thing to say, I know. But I'm like, yeah, that, like sometimes people get dragged down by random family members and they're like, but it's family. I'm like, yeah. no, hey. Right, that's how right. our podcast happens. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he popped up and I was like, great. Now I have to do this thing uh, once a week.
1: Yeah, man, I think too many people get dragged down by like family because they feel like there's some sort of obligation because, you know, we, we, keep, we keep spreading this rhetoric about like how like, hey, Hey there, you've only got one fam. That's right. not true. Right? That's not true. Think about it. Like, you, what your dad can just go and spill sperm anywhere, and then right. now, now you you have a sibling. No, right. man. I think I think relatives, siblings. It, it's more than just about like who has your DNA. Mm-hmm. It's about who you love, who you care about, who means what in your life. I think there are people in my life that I choose who are like siblings to me, and then I have actual siblings who I love as well. But I'm I'm not gonna just no. I'm not at the mercy of my father's penis. Let's right. put it that way. <laughs>
0: When did you first have the idea that maybe you would like not stay in South Africa for the rest of your life?
1: I don't think I've ever thought of it like that. I still don't think of it like that. I I, I always just go, I, I travel. I travel and I go where the work is and I go where my passion is, hmm. you know? So, I mean, when I, when I was young, I would, you know, I'd travel to wherever I was going. I lived in Johannesburg, you know, I lived in Cape Town, you know, and then go and stay in London for two months because that's where the work was. Hmm. And then, you know, then I'd be in Australia for two months because that's where the work was. And then I'd be in Germany for three weeks because that's where the work was. And it's like, yeah, I, so I, I never really had this attachment to a place nor a space. I'm not one of those people. Um, I miss people, not places. So you're an only child. No, I have two younger brothers. Oh, you do? Yeah, from my mom's second marriage. So gotcha. I grew up as an only child. I mean, my, yeah. my younger brother's 10 years younger than me, and then the youngest brother's 20. So I mean, basically grew up as an only child. So
0: with that, did you have anyone to sort of like steer you in a certain direction when it came toward, you know, the work that you do? No. So how did you figure like, all right, I'm going to travel to London, I'm going to travel to Australia, I'm going to like go where the work is? It's,
1: that, it's exactly that. I just, I, just don't, I don't believe in being unemployed, so I've done everything.
0: What was the first, like, big gutsy jump you made?
1: Well, it depends. I mean, dep- in entertainment or in what? what no, speed? in life. I mean, like, in life.
0: Like, to give you the guts to to really, like, just leave.
1: Oh, what was the first big gutsy thing? Let me think. Becoming a taxi driver?
0: How did that yeah, happen? Yeah, where?
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I just, I had a... And how old were you? How old was I? I was, let me think. Please 13, say 14. 19. yeah. 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 <laughs> I was 19. 18, 19. And then I was just like... I had a bunch of money that I'd saved from odd jobs. And I was like, man, you know what? I should put my money into basically like our version of a medallion. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, you should be a taxi driver. Did you have a car? I had to buy one. Yeah. yeah and then I got a loan from the bank and then I became a taxi driver. What were your hours? It was my hours, whatever. I woke up at 4 a.m. and then I was done work around like midnight. Wow. wow. Yeah, and it was
0: horrible. So I know that like in London, all the cab drivers have to like know the entire London map. Yes. Like how well did you
1: know... I knew, I, I know Johannesburg pretty much like the back of my hand, but taxis in South Africa are really different. It's like, have you ever been to those, you know, like people are used to it. If you go to like Bali or those places, it's like a, it's like a, like a minivan type thing. And then there's like 15 people in it. That's right. what our taxis are like. We don't really have this whole like stand on the side of the road and then just like hail a cab. No. Right. With us, it's, it's predetermined routes. It's basically what like Uber pool seems to have tried to say they invented. Right. That's what we did already. <laughs> Well, well as I, driving, my understanding is that white people have invented a lot of things in right. this country. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what I did, basically. Think of an Uber pool in, like, a very large vehicle. So, so you, you, would drive, make... you drive on a predetermined route, mm-hmm. and then people just, like, get on and get off. That's and a that's, bus. That's it. You <laughs> drive yeah. a bus. That's, it's, it's called a minibus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what we did. So but did there you... were no bus stops. Right. You could just stop anywhere and pick up people anywhere. And how would they pay you? In cash. Like not just n- smiles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they just like literally <laughs> that you'd pass the money forward to the driver and then I would count the money and then I would send you your change. Did anybody ever run on you? Oh no, you would never do. You'd die. You couldn't do that. Yeah. That's like, just like a thing no one would ever try and do. Like the punishment for, it's not what, what is, what is the, the fare was, was like what? Mm-hmm. One dollar. really going to like start a fight over one dollar. You're going to run over one dollar. I hope not. Yeah, man, you, you get beaten so badly. So you decided... And like in South Africa, like people were just waiting to beat someone. Oh. <laughs> like so, like just crowds were like, oh shit, crime <laughs> has been committed.
0: But you decided to get into this, you know, with, with what purpose in mind?
1: To just make a living. Yeah. Were Every you... job I've had has just been about make a living.
0: But were you doing comedy on the side? No, no, I was doing that full time. How did you express your comedic side then? Just amongst friends and family. I'd tell
1: jokes in the taxi. I'd like talk to the passengers. I'd have like my friend, my best friend would ride with me. He'd be like my passenger in the front. And then like we'd just make jokes the whole day and just laugh and drive around.
0: When's the first time that you hit a stage?
1: 22 was the first time I hit a stage. So I'd I'd quit the taxi game. My taxi got jacked, uh, which was not fun. Meaning? Meaning someone stole it. Yeah. I mean, that's a crime. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That's more than $1. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, they, they, so then I was just like, man, I'm out of this game. You know, it's like, I don't want to get shot for a taxi and I don't want to fight for it. And I don't want to be, you know what I mean? I don't want to go get a gun so now I can protect my taxi. And I was like, it's too much work. And then like guns, meh, you know, yeah. and then I was just like, I quit the game. And so I was like, I need to find something else to do. And then I, a friend told me that there was a radio station that was hiring. And he was like, you should try this. He's like, you talk shit all day. Just go, <laughs> go try and be a radio DJ. I was like, well, I'll try. And then he helped me make a demo tape and then I went in. And then I got a job at like three AM on the weekends.
0: To like play records and yeah, then just talk in between. Play music and talk in between. What like, kind of my music job was it? It
1: was everything. It was mostly hip hop though. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would just sit there and just play play music and just try to bring drunk people home. How'd
0: that go? It was amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. I like knew all of my listeners by by name because there were so few of them. <laughs> So Were there more
0: uh, listeners or more people in your bus? <laughs> or, or, I think it was or, equal. Yeah. It was or your bar the mitzvah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it was around the same number. <laughs> but it was cool. Like at 3am, literally, like I would just know the same people. So like if I'd say call in, it was always like the same thing. It would be like, ah, oh, yes, Daniel, how is life going? <laughs> how did that end up? Good to hear from you again, Daniel. <laughs>
0: Were any, like, American artists, like, coming down? I know you said Chris Rock before, but, like...
1: Yeah, we, we've always had a steady flow of Americans coming to perform in South Africa. Because American music is huge all over the world. You yeah. Know? And then I think there were some artists who understood very early on that they were global in their reach. So they would come out and they would perform, um, you know? So hip-hop was always big in South Africa. R&B was huge. And so, you know, people would, would come down and then... You, I, I remember, like, one of my favorite concerts I ever went to was... It was a giant concert. I think it was like twenty artists, and it was it was like one twelve, and I think it was it was one twelve. Maybe Jagged Edge was there. Um, Keith Sweat. Oh, this it was is. A, it was like this is dope. Yeah, it was like yeah. the like the mega concert. The Brat. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Like it was just you when know, you're
0: working at the radio station, where there like thoughts that maybe you would get a better time slot, that you would move to another station.
1: No, I didn't think of that. I just in any job I I try not to think about what should happen or what could happen. I just try and focus on what I'm doing right now.
0: That's different.
1: Yeah, because otherwise you spend too much time here's my problem with, with, with that. You know, a lot of people will say, Where do you see yourself in five years? Right. I'm like, just see yourself now, man. Yeah. Calm down. See yourself now. Do well in the thing that you're doing. And I promise you, if you're good enough, somebody will notice and then you'll get something better. That's well, who, just how life works. Well then
0: somebody did notice like that you were doing something and then brought you to out of radio into what?
1: Well, I actually started stand-up while I was on radio. Just coincidentally, a friend took me to a comedy show, got me to jump on stage, and I did, and then that became like my my passion. I didn't get paid or anything. I was just doing comedy on the side. So I was doing radio, comedy on the side, radio, comedy on the side. Then I got bumped up. To a better time slot. So from 3 a.m. on the weekends, I went to midnight weekdays, which I thought was great. The only problem was it started interfering with the comedy.
0: Were you Trevor Noah on the radio?
1: Who was I on the radio? Yeah, I was Trevor Noah. All right. I, I never came up with DJ names. <laughs> Even when I DJ, like I, I used to DJ parties as well, I just never came up with a DJ name.
0: You had your own turntables? Yeah. Did you have records? Yeah. I love them, man. Was your same friend the who had would... 1200s were my
1: favorite. That's crazy. Yeah, man. I love them so much. That was like my favorite thing. And I remember I used to like try and find like the best needles. Because I didn't like really like scratching. So I was, I was always trying to find the best needle that could stick in a groove when the ground was shaking. That was my only purpose in life. Because we never had like stable, you know, like a stable <laughs> place to put your turntables on. So if you like, and when your record skipped, the crowd would give you a look. And I always thought as a DJ, my number one metric for how well I was doing, was how many fights starts at a party. (laughs) I'd always say fights start because DJs are shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If a DJ's good, no one's fighting. Well, no what, one's fighting I mean, it. it also depends on what kind of music. Yeah, I was playing. just going to say, if you're playing doesn't Jagged matter. Edge
0: and One Twelve, and the, no, the fight starts, then it's just man, like it doesn't
1: matter. If you play like the wrong Jagged Edge songs and the wrong One Twelve, <laughs> uh, is there start a wrong Jagged Edge yeah, song? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, people start getting <laughs> start getting lazy. People start getting tired, and then like someone steps on somebody's sneaker, and there's mm-hmm, a fight on their beatus, and, then, yeah. and then nobody's getting married. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but if yeah. you're playing but if you're playing Peaches and Cream, mm-hmm. you're keeping the crowd going. Everybody's jumping. Everyone's moving. You get what I'm saying? So what were
0: you? What was your talent? Blending or yeah, record selection or.
1: Record selection and blending. Yeah. I
0: was a beast. And how big were the parties that you were playing?
1: Whew. I don't know. Everything from 200 people to like 2,000. Whoa. And those would be like streets. Just yeah. street parties yeah, yeah, yeah. through and through. That was our specialty. You would just tell us. You'd call us and go, I want to throw a party on the streets. And then we would come and we would throw a party on your street. So you bring your own speakers? Everything. Wow. I had my own speakers, my own amps. All you provided me was electricity. And then I would come with everything else. And how long did you did you do that for? What like my set length? No, like no, twelve hours. <laughs> what? what? Yeah, that, that was like that was our selling point. That's too long. <laughs> that's what that was my selling point because I was like no bathroom breaks. Here's yeah, how yeah. it used to work: you could only most people could only afford a DJ like for like a few hours because DJs would be like this is how long I cost per set. Right. And then like a like an amazing DJ would be like you charge you by the hour, and then another DJ would be like three hours. So I was like no which party are you throwing? You want a party that goes for hours. So your is probably gonna start around like 6 p.m. This is how like parties were thrown in South Africa, in the hood. You'd, you'd start your party at like, let's say, okay, let's say it was a party for a one-year-old. I know this is crazy, stick <laughs> with me. Okay. So you'd be celebrating a one-year-old's birthday Wait, party. Wait, by the way, I'm already off board, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you continue. That's why I say stay with me. Yeah. So what would happen is your family has a one-year-old that's celebrating their one-year birthday party. now. You don't have money to be throwing multiple parties in life, so you can use this to just throw one big party. So you'd start the day at, like, 1 p.m. Or, or 2 p.m., throwing the party for the one-year-old, and that would just be predominantly family and neighbors in the street. So it would be calm. It would be chilled. You know, that's where we're playing The Jagged Edge. That's where we're playing 112. You know, that's where we're playing, like, see. We're keeping it calm. Good. Good times. Everyone's, mm-hmm. you know, chilled out, mellow. Yeah. Then... The party slowly ramps up. It moves up like five p.m. A few more neighbors come in. Six p.m., seven p.m., eight p.m. Around nine p.m. is when it just becomes like a street bash. So like everyone in the neighborhood comes through. Now the baby's gone to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The baby's sure. Yeah. Done. yeah, yeah. Who cares we about the baby? the baby? Yeah, but yeah. you keep it going. And now the party starts nine, ten p.m. By midnight, it's a full-on like people who are they don't even know that this had anything to do with that baby. <laughs> yeah, this is now just street bash. Yeah, and I'm then here that, for her to listen and then to that goes until like yeah, three, Yeah, yeah. Four a.m. Yeah, so. Think about how much money that would cost. You'd have to hire multiple DJs. So I came in and I was like, no, I will play music for you from that 2 p.m. till 2 a.m. And then I will charge you a flat fee. And I mean, we just blew up because of that. Hey guys,
0: it's Jeff here from the podcast. And also Eric is here too. Hi. And we wanted to say that you should go to itzeria.com and sign up for our newsletter, which lets you know everything that's going on with us. Like name one thing. I got $9 off at Sweetgreen. (laughs) Did you really? (laughs) For being a loyal customer. Are you going to put this in the newsletter? (laughs) Yeah. This is the information that people want on a regular basis. Let me tell you more about me and my addiction to Sweetgreen. It's right around the corner from us. (laughs) And so I go and I get the salad. Then I get really tired of it because I go there so often. By the way, if this was the newsletter i sign up. Really? Yeah. It's realcom right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send my email in. All right. So, more salad information. Mm-hmm. What else? That's it. It's just salads, but not a newsletter about just salad, the Just Salad store. No. It's sweet about green. sweet green. Right. But it is just salads. It's about us eating just salads. <laughs> so, uh, it's realcom Yes. Sign up for the newsletter. Mm-hmm. Just salads. Just salads. And I get a, a discount. For Sweetgreen, nine dollars <laughs> off, and now back to the podcast. I know we just met, but I'm very willing, and I think Jeff is too, to go with you to London and promote your after party as you <laughs> DJing for twelve <laughs> hours. Yeah,
1: that'd be so great. Yeah, I would love to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I honestly miss doing it. What you know? What kills me though these days is like now, just like too much music has the exact same exact same BPMs, the mm-hmm. exact same like melody the exact like every single song is the same song so i don't even feel like there's a skill in blending anymore mm. you know back in the day it was really diff- it's like okay how do you switch from a timberland beat yep into a swiss beat into a like because they, they were complicated they were different it was you know how do you find which songs actually blend and what do you what do you drop out do you drop right. out the mids to make them match do you drop out the lows do you, do you switch out the highs what are you doing yeah and then now it's just man you know every like Like, I've listened to, like, four hours of Trap and been like, this is the exact same song, just with different... Well, that's why I think
0: that 1999 parties are so popular right now, you know? People are just like, oh, I just want to, like, hear music that's different. Yeah. I
1: I, I wish there were more of those in New York. If you know where they are, let me know. We 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 do know where they are. Yeah, we do know where they are. Because I I just can't do the whole... Just like, you know, after yeah. like the fourth, Hey, <laughs> I could honestly listen to you do that for 12
0: hours. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Like, that's where I'm at in
1: life. Hey. Yeah. We had the
0: Migos come over and they brought like 30 people with them. But our the only good thing about that podcast was that. Uh, we had them do their favorite ad libs for like 45 seconds a minute and we looped it on YouTube. So it's like a five minute thing. thing? But also this was like different Migos. This was like Migos in 20... 15 when they were like, you know, Offset was locked up. Right, they were right, not selling right, records right, right. like they're, you know, they're not like, they weren't like the pop friendly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Ellen uh, guests that they are now. No. These guys are <laughs> the, like, we're going to these dudes the like Ellen Upper West guests. Side apartment. Yeah, like Jesus, what? To what talk for an hour? an hour. Yeah. yeah. Guests. So so you go from DJing and where was work after that?
1: Comedy. So I DJed. My DJing career was interrupted by the police I was throwing a party one day.
0: Did they find your taxi? No.
1: <laughs> what happened was we were throwing a party, and I guess the neighbors complained it was too loud. Because we shut down the street. We didn't have permits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We literally just shut down the streets, And so someone complained because they're like, oh, I can't get into my house. And what would normally happen <laughs> what is, is people, stupid yeah. <laughs> people would just Normally people would go, oh, there's a party. I just walk around the crowds and park my car block away. This person was like, my house. (laughs) And so they called the cops, cops came, they're like, there's a complaint. And then this cop was a little like, he was a little over the top. And so he was like, shut down the music. And I was like, okay. And now at this time I'd switched from playing vinyls to playing on computer, Mm -hmm. right? So, which was brand new at the time. This was before like Serato Scratch and all of these things. I was playing, I had like this program, it was called BPM. It was brand new at the time, it was next level. And the cop came in and he was like, shut it down. And I was like, okay, I'm shutting it down. <laughs> but I'm playing on a Windows PC. You gotta take time. You can't just you don't just shut things down, you know? Kids yeah. of today don't know these pains. <laughs> Control, <you know>? alt <laughs> delete, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like back then it was like a long process. You had to make sure you had to close every program. Yeah. And then you had to shut it down. You had to wait you had to it say, save Windows all your Word documents. Yeah. Shutting down. You just shut that thing down, your hard drive was gone, then you come to boot in safe mode. Your life is over. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm shutting it down but now the music's still playing. It's shutting down, it has to like slowly, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this cop just got, he's like, shut it down. I said, shut it down. And then he just shut the, lap, like, just shut the screen, the, the monitor. With a gun? Yeah. Oh, that really, I mean, that's one way to do it. Ended the party. Well, yeah. it, I mean, he's an idiot. The guy, it's, a, it's the monitor, not the yeah, tower. He's he's trying, like, yeah, he <laughs> shot it. Yeah, the hard drive. the tower. Yeah. <laughs> but then I, like, I panicked that he did that and then I just like pulled the cord and then I crashed my hard drive because of that. And I mean, this was like, like was a like, like an old school Seagate hard drive, Damn. you know, spinning disc. Wait, hold on. So, Where does the bullet go? Because it, does it go through the, the screen? I or Does it bounce off? I didn't CSI anything. It just shot the, <laughs> the monitor, like stopped working. I didn't do like a <laughs> hold I didn't on, post mortem <laughs> yeah, on this yeah, thing. Yeah. I, just, I was just like a person just shot a gun, <laughs> and the crowd screamed, and the music stopped, and then they're like, everyone go home. Just seems like a bad cop. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was just a cop. And so, yeah. so you're like, well, that's, that's that. Yeah, well, I thought, I was just like, well, that was a... We'd, we'd been shut down by cops a lot, don't get me wrong, yeah. you know? So we weren't like, this cop was extreme. We we're just like, well, I mean, our stuff hasn't been shot. Be-. Normally, they shoot in the air, they throw yeah. tear gas, you know? This was yeah. a bit like, come on, guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and so it, comedy was next.
1: Yeah, because my hard drive crashed. <laughs> and then I, I remember, like, plugging it into my new computer and everything was gone. Damn. And they were like, they were, they were, they were white label vinyls that I had like gotten from friends and from DJs from England. Who had visited. there was like a whole bunch of because I used to do, I used to break my sets down. It was R and um, B, hip hop, and then house, or R and B house, then hip hop, depending on what you know what I felt. When like. the one year old went to sleep, right? Yeah. yeah. Depends. Yeah. It depends yeah. on the one year old. <laughs> sure. And then uh, yeah, then I was like, well, I'm not going to start again. Do you know how hard it's to get. This is like pre just downloading. music. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So I was done. I was like, this is it. And then I was like, I have to find a new job.
0: When you're on stage, like, what kind of material is, like, filling up your set?
1: Whatever makes the people laugh.
0: So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what did you experience at the time?
1: What did I experience? Life, you know, what was going on in the country. South Africa was a, a fresh, young democracy. I mean, technically, we still are. It was, you know, approximately three decades of freedom. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that that, you know, just speaking about the country, I mean, imagine we were in a country where people were literally separated their entire lives. Now you're the first generation of people experiencing life together, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's what my comedy was. And, um, and I loved, I loved, and I still love poking fun at people in a way where it's like inclusive as opposed to like divisive, you know? So I'd Mm -hmm. make fun of white people, but in a way where it's like, you know, like, because a lot of black people had never hung out with white people ever in their lives. And then same thing for white people. is like, yo, man, like, this is what it's like to be black. And this is, it was like, I'll take a stereotype, try play with it, try invert it, try and, like, bring you into a different world. um, and just have people laughing together as opposed to just being like, yeah, there's you and there's us.
0: Yeah. And you became a regular at, like, one spot or were there multiple? Everywhere. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's another thing I did is I would play every spot that was, like, out the club or not
0: like street parties, like- Everything. Wherever there was a microphone. Yeah. And uh, did you have any other people who were like in your clique who were also doing that circuit?
1: Yeah, I had a bunch of friends, you know, um, one of my best friends, uh, Eugene Cosa, who's a comedian as well, still is. And we would just go to like random places. So we did everything. Some comedians specialized. They were like, we only tell jokes in these white areas. And some would be like, we only tell jokes in black areas. And I was like, no, I'm gonna go everywhere, tell jokes to everyone. So I was doing jokes at bar mitzvahs back in the day. You know, I was doing jokes like at, at random, you know, 21st birthday parties. I was doing jokes at, at like company functions. I was doing, doing comedy everywhere. Wow. What was your worst set? Poo wee that's a hard one to pin down. One of the worst sets I ever did was I was asked to do a show. It was for an opening of a resort. And there was like a beach on a lake and they asked me to perform on a boat while the audience was on the beach. (laughs) And so they laid out the tables on the beach, and then they put me on the boat. And they thought this was genius. They were like, get it? Because the stage is the boat. I was like, yep, but a boat moves. And so what would happen is the boat kept on moving, and, and like, they had to keep on starting the boat and then like, like basically <laughs> moving it back to the center spot. So in the middle of my, I'd be talking, talking, talking and then it'd be like brruh, brruh. and then I'd be like, sorry, where was I? <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was probably one of the worst sets. Did you acknowledge what was going on? To the audience? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because this was absolute death. Absolute death.
0: When was your first time coming to, uh, to New York?
1: First time coming to New York. I came for a vacation. I remember I stayed with, um, I think an ex of mine had family in Brooklyn. And so we went and we stayed there. And then that was like my first time coming to New York.
0: And was it overwhelming? Was it what you expected?
1: Hmm. It was a little bit of everything I I, I had hoped it would be, you know, because I was staying in Brooklyn and... This was like pre-Brooklyn becoming all hipsterish. And right. like it, yeah. it was like Brooklyn, Brooklyn, which I really loved. So it, I felt like I was in a hip-hop video, which yeah. I loved. Yeah. I remember I like, came with my pair of Timberlands that I bought <laughs> you know, from a Buster Rhymes video. And yeah, I remember, like literally, I just like walk around in Brooklyn, like, and I was just like, oh yeah. I was like, I'm in <laughs> hip hop right now. We're keeping it coming, keeping it moving, keeping it wild we get in the paper. Let's keep the cheddar stacking and piling cause now we are happy and wild cause now we are living good. I was like, I'm in hip hop now. Yeah. And I remember like one of my favorite moments, this was random. I was going, I was using the subway. I love the subway. And this is when the subway was still on time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that that period. Um, but we're running down the stairs to catch the train. You know when the train's pulling up, yeah, right? Yeah, and people fucking sprint down the yeah, stairs. Yeah, sprinting down the stairs. Yeah. And then this dude, he was also, he had like a hoodie, he had baggy jeans, he had his Timberlands on, and he had two kids with him. And he, like the one he picked up and the little girl behind him, maybe she was like three, four years old, and he picked up his baby and ran, and the little one just couldn't keep up. And he was like, keep up, keep <laughs> up. And then he just ran. And then he made it on the train. I was like, this little kid's gonna get left behind, and it was like just instinct, I ran and I like just grabbed this little girl and then I ran with her and we just made it onto the train and put her down. And then the guy looked at me, he's like, yeah, that's what's up, man, that's what's <laughs> up. And he looked at her and he's like, I told you, you gotta keep up. Gotta keep up. Next time, there won't be no nice man to pick you up and catch me.
0: Oh wow. My God. You
1: ruined her life lesson. I know, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just like, dude, I'd never, it was amazing. I was just like, this is, I'd never chased a train. I never, it was very like New York for me. Yeah. yeah,
0: but really like, you know, he should have got on, the door should have closed and this girl would have had to find her way to, you know, just on yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, start a new life. <laughs> now she's your kid. <laughs> That's so, how I became a father. So, <laughs> so you moved around and you performed in places like London, you mm-hmm, performed in places mm-hmm. like Australia. Did you have to switch up like your tone, your stories to fit into... These different, you know...
1: In some ways, I have to just translate. Contents? Yeah. Not necessarily the content, but the context.
0: Mm.
1: When you're in South Africa, you're speaking to South Africans as a South African. You come to America and you, you realize you have to explain a bunch of things. You know, every every context changes. Um, you know, like, for instance, I, I, this was during, like, I remember I was doing comedy in America. I started in and around the war in Iraq. And I remember how surprised I was that how differently Americans saw the war in Iraq to the rest of the world because in the rest of the world we were like you guys are not supposed to be in this country and you're just like you're just basically like terrorizing these people right and then Americans were like how dare you we're going there to fight for freedom and so but as a comedian I was like talking about things that I thought were obvious in the world Yeah, yeah and so like I remember I made one joke I got a spot in New York and I I told a joke about that, about like America being in other countries and the crowd just, man, they turned on me like I was literally like I just threatened America. And I was like, what the hell happened there? That's crazy because it's also in New York. Yeah. But at that time people had bought into the war so much. Crazy. You know, like now you make a joke about Iraq and people are like, that's right. Nope. <laughs> we never should have been there. Yeah, and, yeah. but at that, and, and that's when I realized like, oh man, you've got to consider like how people see themselves, how they see the world around them. And I realized that like your perspective determined how you interpret comedy more than the comedy itself.
0: Hmm. How did you get a spot in New York?
1: I don't even remember. Probably just asked a comedian or, or, or someone at a, at a gig or a spot or like, I just ask people. Yeah. Hey, how do I get up? Well, there's always like a room where someone's willing to put you up. You know, if they're willing to put you up, it's a shit room. Yeah. I don't tell you that much. Yeah. 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 But I didn't care. I just wanted to do comedy in New York.
0: You were in the moment. Yeah. So, so would you do like multiple gigs in one night?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, back then I, I had nothing. You know, when I came back to New York, started doing a bunch of shows. Then, yeah, then I was doing, I'd try and do like six, seven shows a night. mm which was always like the New York dream. Because sure, that's what yeah. you'd see of comedians, you know, whenever you'd watch comedy documentaries or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be like Jerry Seinfeld doing six spots, you know, and I was like, I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. Just so, jump on a train and go to. Just going I mean, exactly everywhere. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I would do. So I'd go to like Brooklyn and then, you know, I'd come into the city and then I'd do something downtown, then I'd go uptown, then I'd go midtown, then I'd just find the spots, do the spots. How'd you feel your day? Sleeping. okay? <laughs> I used to have a weird sleep schedule. So I. Um, so here's the thing. I stay with me here. And I'm gonna lose <laughs> you again. <Yeah. laughs> I think we've been bamboozled into this whole eight hours of sleep and when we're supposed to sleep thing as human beings. Mm. I think it's part of like I don't know, like the industrial revolution or just like mm-hmm. you know, people trying right, to sun make up us sun up till sundown. Yeah, right. that yeah, man, it's just it's it's, it's daylight savings. It's all trash. <laughs> yeah. Right? I don't get tired at the same time every day. I don't think anybody does. Right, mm-hmm. So I'm not going to sleep at the same time. Like, There's no creature that does that. Right. If you watch animals, they just sleep when they sleep, and then they're <laughs> up when they're up. Mm-hmm. And so when I was living that life, I would live that exact life. So sometimes I'd sleep at 2 a.m. Sometimes I'd sleep at 10 a.m. And then I'd just sleep how much I need to sleep, and then I'd wake up. Sometimes I'd stay up for 24 hours and then sleep. By the way, I am
0: so on board with this. This is like, you're speaking exactly, you're like almost reinforcing all my bad habits.
1: But this is not a bad habit. I think it's a natural habit. And then we get taught to unlive our natural habits. You get what I'm saying? I How do. are you gonna wake up at the same time every day? All of this is ridiculous. So you want me to eat at the same time every day. So what you're saying is my body <laughs> processed the food at the same time every day. I'm hungry at the same time every day. That, that's impossible. There's, you... no, there's no animal like that. Think about a lion. Yeah. A lion doesn't hunt at the same time every day. A lion eats. And then the lion's like, all right, I'll hunt again when I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a snake. A python eats something, and then it's like, all right, when this is done digesting, then I'll start looking for the next meal.
0: Yeah. One day I'll go to Popeye's at 12, and the exactly. next day I'll go to Popeye's at 4.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's how we should be doing it. Yeah. And so that's how I lived my, my body's life. a machine. <laughs> my body, I listen to my body yeah. as mm-hmm. opposed to telling my body what to do. By the mm. way, you,
0: you may never have done drugs before, but you sound so high right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very
1: much. Thank you.
0: So, um, all right, you sleep during the day you're performing all over at night mm-hmm. who really takes notice of you that like gives you that extra push like man
1: like I'm I'm hitting everyone I've always loved the comedy community cuz the community the comedy community is the reason I am where I am today um you know everywhere like comedians in the UK who like gave me a shot gave me a chance everybody from Eddie Azard to Kitty Flanagan you know an amazing Australian comedian who like just taught me comedy, you know, the comedy store in in London with Don Ward, Um, you know, moving to the US, like Esty at the Comedy Cellar, giving Mm. me my shot, you know, Mazzilli at Gotham, giving me my shot, just people going like, you're funny, we're gonna put you on, Richard at Comedy and Magic out in Hermosa Beach, Mm. you know, Jay Leno just being like, hey, here's a few tips, here's a few things you can do on stage. Um, What were those tips? just, Just like small things, it was like, things that seem obvious, you know, mm-hmm. just like respect your audience, grind, do more gigs, find this, hey, don't forget those jokes, don't don't try and be smarter than your audience, just make them laugh, and if you're smart, you're smart. Don't try and be smart, you know, small fun things. Uh, people like Gabriel Iglesias was just like, come on the road with me, and I wanna show you pieces of America you might never see, and let let's perform. And like, because of him, I saw that America wasn't a monolith. Like, every comedian has given me a shot. Every comedian has given me some piece of advice that's gotten me to where I am, you know? Um, and so I like, yeah, I I genuinely have appreciated the community of comedy, which is why I try and keep that going in my world. I try and keep an eye out for young comedians. I try and give a leg up to to comedians who are starting up because I know it's not easy. It's not easy to sell tickets. I don't take that for granted. It's why I'm still on the road. And, um, and yeah, like there's no one big break for me. There's small little chipping aways at the big thing that gets me to a break. Well, like,
0: along that path, like, what is the time where you were just like, oh, fuck, like, this is not going anywhere? Or did you ever feel that?
1: No, I've never felt that in life. I don't believe anything is not going anywhere. I just think sometimes things are happening slow, and sometimes things are happening fast. That's sometimes just you're like, getting Popeyes at yeah, 12 and digestion, Yeah, digestion, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't think anything is not going anywhere. You know, it's, 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 it's everything Maybe in life. Maybe you're not Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> what city
0: in the United States, like, surprised you in terms of, like, how into your set they were?
1: Huh. I've always been shocked by, like, where I will discover fans. Chicago has always been a city that loved me before people even knew me, you know, and I I still love and, 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 you know, and adore Chicago for that reason. I literally had fans in Chicago before anybody knew who I was, and so like Chicago's one of those places for me. Um, Texas, I've got like you know, rabid fans in, in Texas, everywhere from Houston to San Antonio. Mm. Um, Boston, I, I don't know how Bostonians <laughs> came to love me, but I, I've, I've been blessed enough that they, that they come out and support me. And so there are some places that I was thoroughly surprised and humbled by in, in how they showed me affection. That's dope.
0: Uh, you know, so you, you end up getting the Daily Show gig. Mm-hmm. What did you say to your staff on your first day?
1: On my first day? Yeah. It was weird because there there wasn't a real first day in that way because I got the Daily Show gig but John was still the host. And you must remember I was already working at the Daily Show. Mm-hmm. So I went back to work in my normal position, like I went back to my little office in a corner. <laughs> But people were like, okay, you're going to be the next host. So that was cool. So it wasn't like, pa pa da Ah, hear ye, hear ye. His majesty has arrived. I, was, I never had to like address my loyal subjects. No, there was never that. It was just like, wow, congrats. You're going to be, you know. It was very much like Simba in The Lion King. <laughs> like they say, yo, Simba, you're going to be the next king. But then Mufasa's still around. Then I was like, yeah, cool. And you just like. <laughs> You know, just roam around dancing. Right. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. It was cool. I had well, a good then, time.
0: Who is the scar in this world? <laughs> 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 mm. That's funny. I think
1: uh, Scar was just time for yeah, John yeah. Stewart. That was Scar. <laughs> yeah.
0: Over the couple of years that you've, uh you know, been there and established yourself, do you feel like? it's become like second nature to you right now? Or do you feel like um, you're still learning and evolving?
1: Man, comedy is never second nature Or are you for fucking me? bored? <laughs> no, comedy is never second nature. I I respect comedy so much because I go, just when you think you know it, it'll burn you, you know? So um, that's what I love about comedy. Talk to the best comedians. You know, like Dave Chappelle. One, one of my favorite things Dave Chappelle always says is, he goes... I am the best comedian you will ever watch, and I am also the king of death. Dave Chappelle has died deaths that few comedians can truly ever, ever, ever appreciate. You know what I mean? He knows what it is like to stand on a stage and have nobody laugh at what he is saying. But that is, in my opinion, why he is also probably the best comedian around today. Mm. Um, That's what comedy is about. about. It's about juggling fire.
0: When you're at The Daily Show, what's the balance between facts and news and just being genuinely funny?
1: Well, I think you have to start with the base. So what is your story? What is the news? And I'm at the mercy of the news, you know? Some days the news is hilarious because it's Trump making hamburgers at the White House (laughs) for college students. Well not making. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Preparing, like presenting hamburgers. Right. And then um, the next day it's abortion is being banned in, in states in and around the country. So, I mean... I'm at the mercy of the news, and then I have to use the comedy to process that information. So so some days it's all laughs. Mm -hmm. And then some days it's like, oh, Jesus, this is going to be a rough one. Yeah. You know, because people are emotionally, like, taxed by what has happened.
0: And how did it come to be that you would tape the portions in between what you're actually taping for television? Like the Jay-Z story? Yeah.
1: I I was already doing that. So when I basically started The Daily Show, I was doing that. I was... I will just like chat to the audience like in in our ad breaks, essentially. I think John did that too, right? He would speak to the audience before the show, Mm -hmm. but he wouldn't speak during the show. Um, I I think from, yeah, from the little I've seen, most hosts don't speak to the audience in the middle of the show. I know Ellen does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, she'll like have a little chat here and there. But I like had a full on, it's like a thing that I did. Chat to them, have conversations with them. And then one day an audience member asked me, they said, hey, is there any way that I can watch that thing? I wanna show it to my friends. I was like, no, and that, that was just between us. <laughs> and, and she was like, oh, it would be cool if you like put that out. I was like, I've never thought of that. It's and,
0: genius content, you yeah, know? And, and this is the age of content. Yep. And
1: so we, we just put it out. And then some people like that more than The Daily Show. Some people, that's all they consume. You know, and 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 I'm fine with that. I mean, you know, I've come to realize that you know you can't control what people consume or how they consume it. You just create content, as you say, and then you let people gravitate towards it.
0: Yeah, and I think the genius of that of that Jay Z thing was that, you know, you're you, mm-hmm. um, Jay is Jay, mm-hmm. but you're still like you know that guy who listened to him while you're you know spinning on yeah. your twelve hundreds. Yeah, in that moment too, right? But
1: was that the first time you met Jay? No, it wasn't. But here's the thing. I'm not one of those people who ever fake being a friend with a celebrity. Right. I don't do that in stories. I don't do that in conversations. And I definitely don't do that in life. So, like, people say to me all the time, they'll be like, oh, I saw so you with Beyonce. But I'm like, man, I'm not going to say Beyonce's my friend. Right. Yeah.
0: She's your sister. Right. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 You know,
1: I'm like, yo, like, Beyonce's cordial when she sees me and she's a very nice person. But I... I I, I don't get familiar with people. I don't I don't and I'm also not those types of people. I won't be like, hey, B, how you do No. No. Good Lord. Come well, on. Well then like are those dinners and like time of time one hundred events like is that like weird for you? It's it's weird in as far as who you're sitting with and who you know, but you get to know people. Right. So there are some people who I've become friends with or become more familiar with. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think people take for granted that like there is still a world like when Jay Z and Beyonce are in a room, it's like there's royalty.
0: Yes. It's a fishbowl.
1: It is royalty. I don't. I don't care what level of celebrity you come with, you will be starstruck. You know. So I'm not gonna make it like yeah, hanging out with boy Jay. <laughs> And then B came. I was like, "You ready, B?" No, 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 no. They're very nice people who are royalty.
0: Um, how about when you went down to South Africa? Um, and you hosted on that enormous stage. Yeah, and it's a Global
1: uh, Citizen Festival. Yeah,
0: but you're 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 back at home, right? Yes. Is that and at that point you're you're a huge celebrity. Yes. So what is that like to return home to be in front of family and friends, but as Trevor Noah in 2018? As opposed to like you know nineteen ninety
1: nine you know what was interesting was that festival for me was 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 a was a wonderful culmination of the years that I've spent in and out of South Africa because I'm lucky in that South Africa is the reason I am where I am today. I'm eternally grateful to my country and my people because they're the the reason I've been propelled into the world. you know they're the reason I had Twitter followers that made somebody take notice of me in America that got me booked at a show because they were like, wow, why does this guy have a million followers? Who is he? That was South African support, you know? They weren't the reason, just like bought followers? No. <laughs> I didn't even know you could buy followers. I would have done that. It would have been so much easier. <laughs> um, you know, like they were the reason that I that I sold DVDs. They were the reason that I was on comedy festivals. They were the reason that I... I they are the reason. They're the propulsion force. So for me, that has always been like i i try and explain to people i go i experienced fame in my country first which i'm eternally grateful for you know america's a new level of fame don't get me wrong but i i I experienced that back home you know so um i will always have a connection to south africa and i always go back because of that and there's there's a special comedy that i can do there that i can't do anywhere else and so for me, that moment was just like a—it was a celebration of that. It was like, "Yo, guys, I'm back. We're gonna have some fun, and Jay Z and Beyonce are gonna perform, <laughs> and so is Pharrell. Your friends, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my friends, my friends, Jay Z and Beyonce are here with yeah. me. Um, yeah, and and that was that was really special. I think for myself and for the audience, because it was like, wow, like we're on this stage with these people. What an amazing moment. Yeah, you know. Um, because for so long, I think as South Africans, and it, it happens in many countries, but I know in South Africa, it was like, if those types of events happened, it was just Americans coming to do a thing for you or at you. And here right. it was like, no, we're, we're a part of this. We're on the global stage. Mm-hmm. And I was proud to be a part of that.
0: Obviously, we saw like behind the scenes footage of you seeing your grandmother right. down there. What does your mom think of your career? She doesn't. Oh. <laughs>
1: Yeah, my mom is my mom. She doesn't like, my mom doesn't watch TV. My mom doesn't engage in fame. She's proud of me because I can pay the bills. She's sure, like, because but you're a man. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: But so even like, the idea that you're like, you're across the globe, you know?
1: No, because I've always traveled. So my mom is just like, where are you? What are you doing? How's life? <laughs> How's life? When are you getting married? You're getting a kid? I want a grandkid. <laughs> you could have taken that one from the Brooklyn from the subway. subway. I, should yeah, yeah. I should have just grabbed that kid. Yeah. Then my life would be different right now. Yeah, a lot of regrets. <laughs> yeah. Your
0: book is out in, in uh, soft cover now.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah, a soft cover and a young reader's edition. It's done really well. I didn't, again, I didn't predict it, didn't expect it. I just right. wrote a book because my friends loved the stories that I would tell them. And I said, well, I'll put these down. And maybe someone else will enjoy them and, and I guess a lot of people did.
0: Do you think there's anything beyond you? What does that mean? In terms of like us, you know, a book opportunity comes our way, we'll do the book. A yeah. film opportunity comes our way, we'll do a film. Right. Television, et cetera. Um you're doing big stages, you're doing television uh-huh. on you know, on a weekly basis or on a nightly basis every week. But are there are there is there anything that you are just like, yeah, that's not A platform that I'm interested in getting involved in
1: I don't know about platforms but there are certain things that I don't try and fake my way into you know like sneakers is a good example Mm -hmm. as I was saying I love good-looking things I I like shoes that look nice but I'm not gonna try and fake my way into the game and be like yeah yeah eat the Kyries right oh man yeah (laughs) yeah drop in the the Travis Scott I don't (laughs) know I just like those brown shoes that have a backward swoosh Those are the Travis Travis Scott's. That's what I'm saying. But (laughs) I just like them because I'm like, those are weird. Those are cool. Yeah. You're going to get like a box delivered to you right (laughs) now, now. But that's what I'm saying is like, I just like... But I don't know why I'm like, I'm not trying, but I don't, you get what I'm saying? So, yeah, like, yeah, if yeah, someone yeah. said, Yo, do you want to come to a sneaker convention or you want to come to like, what's that one that's in LA, the big one? They Complex do? Like, oh, Con. Con, Con, Con. Yeah. No, I'm not cool enough to do that thing. They're doing one in Chicago. I'm not cool enough to do those Chicago things and loves I'm fine you. with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I stay in my world. So, I, I follow my passions. So, for instance, I'll go to EA Games. And then I'll like play FIFA with them and discuss the developments of the game. Cause that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I love playing FIFA. You want mm-hmm. to challenge me in FIFA? We can talk. You know Football. what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> EA Sports. That's, that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. man, look at you. You remember I yeah. like that. <laughs> Um, you know what I mean? Like I go to Microsoft and I help them like develop stuff, and I play around with computers, and I'm I'm in like the lab with them. That's what I love doing. I've loved computers my whole life. I've been a nerd and a geek, and I've you know I built. I love hardware, mm-hmm. so that's what I still do till this day.
0: Yeah, um, you should really talk with them about a bulletproof like uh, screen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just for that one instant, yeah. <laughs> the street very DJ specific. market, yeah. very specific. <laughs> Trevor, we've sold five units. It's not going well. Um, yeah, so so I so I do that. You know, so I'm lucky enough to do that with Microsoft. And then like, and then I do comedy. And then I and then, you know, I'll I'll work on books and then I'll work on TV, movies, et cetera, But it's only things that I I am truly passionate about. Mm-hmm. If an opportunity comes to me that is just an opportunity, I I turn it down because I'm like, I don't know what that means. I don't know why I'm doing it. Hmm. And because I I truly believe passion is the fuel that will keep you burning for as long as you need to burn for. And as soon as you engage in something that is outside of your passion, that's when it truly becomes work that is tedious. And I don't mind working hard at something that I love, but if you're just working hard because you're just trying to grind and get that paper, mm-hmm. you no, know, good luck to you, my friend.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, I you know, you've created an extremely amazing brand yourself you are you are worldwide whether it's you know touring or writing books or doing the daily show or thank what you have very you much. and i think you can put your brand up there with with nike with reebok or beatus you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for coming through thank you so much for having me this, this was, was fun yeah, i right appreciate on. you man thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of a waste time with It's the real jeff if you want to find out more about us i'm eric your jeff curly hair glasses together we are It's The Real. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called The Waste of Time with It's The Real. If people want to find out more about what's going on with us, Jeff, where can they go? You can always go to itsthereal.com. Sign up for that newsletter today. A lot of stuff about salads. You can always find us on all social media at It's The Real, at It's The Real on Twitter, at It's The Real on Facebook, at It's The Real on Instagram. And you can also find all of our old episodes and our new ones on all streaming networks, including spotify and google play and Castbox, whatever that is youtube wherever go listen to our podcast we have a million episodes and you should go check all of them out if you haven't yet binge them tell your friends about them spread the word jeff we like to shout out people at the end of every podcast and today we have some more people to shout who do you have today i want to shout out the man the myth the legend the king of the north I want to shout out Nav, who we saw in concert in Denver, because life is too short to not see Nav in concert in Denver. It was a magical, momentous night of Nav performing all the hits. I want to shout out Nav. Jeff, I want to shout out Quentin Howard, who is an Uber driver here in Los Angeles and a huge fan of ours. And because he saw us... Just exiting the airport this morning Told us to hop in his car And gave us a free ride To our hotel, downtown LA Super nice And we had the best conversation What a great guy Quentin, who is a fan of the Joe Budden podcast Drink Champs and us Well, no, now we're in second place, he said Shout out to us We won't tell you who's number one We'll just say that we moved up to number two Yeah And shout out to Quentin I think we all know who's number one And I think we all know who's number three. We're at number two. (laughs) He also, he looked in the rearview mirror, and he was like, I I still can't believe you're in my car. He kept saying that. He said that he's had other celebrities, including Steve Nash Mm -hmm. and (laughs) downtown Julie Brown. But he said that Steve Nash likes to be called Stephen Nash. And he said that we have moved up... To be his number two, second favorite celebrity. Okay, we all know who's number one. Listen, we all know who's number three. We won't just—we're not going to say that. We're number two. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to Quentin. Shout out to everybody who listens to us religiously and uh, and lets us know that we're doing all right. We appreciate you all, whether in Denver, whether in Los Angeles, or. The number one place to live in the United States. Garbage dump. <laughs> Missouri. Backwoods, <with> Missouri. <laughs> Not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys <laughs> next week. Bruh. <laughs>